Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 100, Why I Believe in You. First of all, it's episode 100. (laughs) This feels like the perfect theme for episode 100 because I I really have some things that I want to share with you. You know, every week, every week at the end of the podcast, I sign off with, I believe in you. And I felt that it was time that I went into a little more detail of why I believe in you and why you can believe that I believe in you. That over the weekend, I presented on Facebook in a, with another author. Brock lost his dad um, due to a murder. His dad was murdered. And he shared about forgiveness of the murder. And I shared my story and shared about forgiving, you know, forgiving ourselves and the importance of forgiving ourselves. And so the name of that, that event was called the power of forgiveness. And it was a blessing to be able to share that. Also interesting that at the same time I was sharing that my dad, it was just before my dad was taken to the hospital. He had a heart attack over the weekend and he died late last night. And I found out first thing this morning when I woke up, but I wanted to share with you, it just is so interesting that I had made this decision earlier that I was going to episode 100 was going to be why I believe in you. And then I find myself in this place of grief for my father, as I'm going to share this with you, but I wanted to share a, a couple of excerpts from the, from the book from my book, Miracles in the Darkness, that I shared on Saturday night. And I, I, I do this so you can see, like, as I wrote the book, I kind of got back into that energy, that, that place, that dark place that I was at, at the beginning of my grief when our two children died in, on Mother's Day in 2007. And if you haven't heard that story specifically, you can go back to episode one of this podcast where I share why I'm here, why I'm doing this. And of course, my book, Miracles in the Darkness, shares even more about that. Just wanted to share a couple excer- excerpts from that book with you. I blamed myself for every difficulty in our life. If my husband was stressed, it was my fault. If the kids were struggling, it was my fault. That's how I viewed my world. I created so much suffering with my self-hatred. I was not nice to myself. I did not want to exist anymore. Living and breathing felt forced on me. Each morning I would wake up wishing I hadn't. I wondered why I survived the accident. I concluded that everyone's life would have been far better had I died too. My grief and anguish during that time was completely overwhelming and consuming. And it was hard to think outside of that, to open up the possibilities of what might be in the future. And I lived in that place for many months. 
So I get this, the struggle is just immense. It's, it's really immense. But over time, I learned some things and I learned to start letting go of that pain and start letting go of the guilt and the shame and all the other emotions that were weighing me down that were combined with that grief. And it never, ever, ever meant that I let go of my children. But in miraculous and wonderful ways, I feel like I hold on to my children in more significant love and gratitude than I could have ever held on to their memories and to their life and to their existence today if it weren't for letting go of that pain and that grief and that anguish that I felt. Here's some excerpts that kind of share some of my thought process after the fact. I knew that it wasn't okay to be unkind to others. Why then was it okay for me to be continuously unkind to myself? I said things to myself that I would never say to someone else. I know now that my Heavenly Father wants me to understand and internalize the vision He has of me. He wants me to know that I am His child and that I carry a divine spark from Him. I truly believe that we all carry that divine spark from Him, from our eternal Father, and that that He wants us to be able to move through this pain. That, that he's not judging us for our pain. He's not judging us for our grief. He doesn't want us to judge ourselves for our pain and grief, which you can tell from those earlier excerpts that I was doing a ton of that. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us to live in love and light and gratitude. He wants that for us. Here's another excerpt. One of the problems with grief is that there is no timeline for how long it will last, but I learned there are things that can help healing and things that can prolong grief. In Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl shares his dehumanizing experience of being a prisoner in a concentration camp, an experience that I cannot comprehend. I can only imagine that it was far worse than my imagination can even conceive. Frankel famously wrote, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I believe this is true. What exists between stimulus and response are my thoughts and feelings. In my early pain, the space between stimulus and my response was minuscule, almost imperceptible. Over time, that space got larger, and with awareness, that space was much more noticeable. That gave me the space to choose. I think we make a mistake when we consider Viktor Frankl's words. We may think that the response he refers to should look a certain way. In other words, that we should act like we're healed and all better, and that it doesn't still hurt when we're not healed, but it does hurt. That's the danger of his quote without context. If you read Viktor Frankl's book, you can see that he was still hurt. He still had to grieve what he lost. His experience was still extremely painful, but he didn't allow it to make him bitter. He didn't allow his captor's cruelty to make him cruel. He chose to be hurt, to grieve, and to recognize the hurt and the cruelty. 
In it all, he chose to still be humane, to still exhibit love and compassion, and to still be a good person and to work toward healing. I wonder if we make the mistake of thinking that our response to tragedy needs to be, I'm 100% good and great and everything is wonderful in my world, but denying our pain is not healing from, helpful to, or honoring our grief. Our response after tragic stimulus could be deciding to grieve, deciding to learn about grief, and deciding to create time and space in our life for grief and healing and reviewing and adapting. That's when we create the growth and freedom Frankel wrote about. Because when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. This is why I believe in you, because I have seen the contrast of where I was and where I am, and it is remarkable. If I can make the shifts, you can make the shifts. I just, I just know it with the proper, with the proper tools, with the proper understanding, with, with the, the work, the effort, with guidance, you can make these shifts too. I read another review for another book about grief that was praised as one of the most important books about grief because it dispels the myth that we are to get over the death of a loved one. And of course, we never, we never get over the person. But it went on, the book description said, whether we want it to or not, grief gets folded into our developing identities where informs our thoughts, hopes, expectations, behaviors, and fears, and we inevitably carry it forward into everything that follows. Though grief is a lifelong process, it doesn't have to be a lifelong struggle. Okay, to be fair, before I talk about this statement, to be fair, I haven't read the book, and maybe there's wonderful value there, and I'm, and I'm sure there is. But I know why these claims are also appealing. It's appealing to think that our grief is going to last forever because we're hurting. We want validation for our hurts. We want understanding that this hurt is so great that it feels like it's going to be there forever. It feels like it. So when we hear from others to expect that it was going to last forever, we breathe a sigh of relief. Yes, it's true. I will grieve forever, we say to ourselves. But is that really what you want? I think in some ways we do. In some ways it serves us to believe that. But I suggest that, I suggest that we reject the temptation to believe that we have to feel bad forever. Imagine that our expectations for the future, that our identity, that our hopes and our thoughts and everything is painted by the brush of grief. That's not what we want. Even, even if it's, even if it's a grief that's diminished over time, it's leaving the hurt and leaving the hurt will not help us in the long run. It just does not. So let me dispel this claim that we will grieve forever. While our grief experience does change us, we can choose how it will ultimately change us. Do we want to grieve forever? Do we want it to be a lifelong process? 
Or do we want to grieve for a season, learning the important lessons from our experience and carrying love and gratitude forward with us the rest of our life? I choose the latter. I choose to let go of the pain of grief. I choose to live in love and gratitude. For me, this is a universal decision. That means when I experience new hurts and new grief, like I am right now, I make the decision to allow the grief, to let it move through me, but I don't expect it to last forever. Like I said, this week my dad died, and I am filled with the mixed emotions of that. And I am going to allow those emotions, and I'm going to work through them, and I'm going to do the discovery process, and I'm going to resolve. And I can't tell you how long that will last. I have no idea. But I know that I'm going to do the work and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to come out on the other side a better person because of it, not allowing grief to taint the rest of my life and the rest of my experiences. I just finished and I think it's just incredibly beautiful that I was listening to Dr. David Hawkins' book, Letting Go, at the time that my Dad fell ill and died. The full title of the book is Letting Go, A Pathway of Surrender. And in the book, he shares this. Letting go involves being aware of a a feeling, letting it come up, staying with it, and letting it run its course without wanting to make it different or do anything about it. It means simply to let the feeling be there and to focus on letting out the energy behind it. This is a concept we are not taught, and it's so important that we allow our emotions. And And he goes on to talk about resisting, which I think is a lot of what I experienced in my own grief. And as I've worked with people, it's a lot of what, it's, it's a, a huge chunk of what a lot of us experience. We resist the, the emotions. We resist the experience, the, the hurt or the, um, the loss of a loved one or the hurt of losing a career or whatever it is. We resist it. We want, we, we want somehow for that experience to not exist at all. And it's in the resisting that we create more problems. So here's another quote from Dr. Hawkins. The first step is to allow yourself to have the feeling without resisting it, venting it, fearing it, condemning it, or moralizing about it. It means to drop judgment and see that it is just a feeling. The technique is to be with the feeling and surrender all efforts to modify it in any way. That's certainly a very different experience than most of us experience. We live in a world of distractions. Instead, so instead of being with those feelings, we distract ourselves. It's so easy to just pick up our phone and look at it and read what someone else is doing be distracted. We distract ourselves with food. We distract ourselves with media. We distract ourselves with our phone. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. So many distractions, so many ways that we don't have to feel what we feel, but the resisting 
keeps the feeling going. In fact, let me read the next quote from Dr. Hawkins. Let go of wanting to resist the feeling. It is resistance that keeps the feeling going. When you give up resisting or trying to modify the feeling, it will shift to the next feeling and be accompanied by a lighter sensation. A feeling that is not resisted will disappear as the energy behind it dissipates. So his first recommendation is that we allow ourselves to feel and we've got to make space for that. We've talked about space before and creating space for our feelings. <laughs> There's just this overall overall belief that feelings aren't valid. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy because it's absolutely what makes us human. Our feelings make us human. It is part of who we are. And when we resist this very important piece of who we are, we resist ourselves. We exist, we, we literally resist our existence. So what I see happening is that we either ignore our feelings or we discover that we have feelings and that they're so strong that we identify so, we connect so much to our feeling that it becomes who we are. Our feelings are a or th- that's what they are is feelings. There's so much more that could be said about this, but let me go on with the, with the last bit of what he says, uh, about kind of almost the next steps and how it relates, how our feelings relate to our thoughts and, and what to do there. He says, when letting go, ignore all thoughts, focus on the feeling itself, not on the thoughts. Thoughts are endless and self-reinforcing and they only breed more thoughts. Thoughts are merely rationalizations of the mind to try and explain the presence of the feeling. Sometimes we surrender a feeling and we notice that it returns or continues. This is because there is more of it yet to be surrendered. We have stuffed these feelings all of our lives and there can be a lot of energy pushed down that needs to come up and be acknowledged. The secret to using this mechanism more often and more consistently is First of all, the wish to do so. You have to want to be free of the feeling more than you want to keep it. There is great wisdom in what he is teaching here. And I stand by my belief in healing, that healing is available to all of us. If you find yourself rejecting the idea idea that you can heal, I get it. I get it. it. It's, it's, it's so contrary to the multiple messages that we get out there. There's a handful of us, for lack of a better word, preaching the gospel of healing. And I just can't say it strongly enough that healing is available to you. And I believe in you and I believe in your ability to heal. That's why I believe in you. Because I know with good information and understanding and with a desire for healing, you also can move through your grief and become a new person with greater happiness on the other side. Have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.